Welcome to another episode of the Ask a CISO podcast, powered by Harangi, Asia's leader in cloud security. Every episode, you get insider tips and insights into current challenges and newest trends in cybersecurity from the world's best experts to help level up your cybersecurity career. Here's your host, Paul Hadji, to introduce today's guest. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Paul Haji, the, the host of um, Ask a CISO podcast. Uh, today, uh, we have our esteemed guest, uh, Linda Nguyen Schindler. Uh, she is the program head at Innovation uh, Cybersecurity Ecosystem, uh, I-71, uh, the region's first cybersecurity entrepreneur hub. Uh, Linda was previously a lawyer in Silicon Valley. Uh, today, as head of I-71, she leverages her diverse background as a connector to, ad- and to advocate and empower startups, uh, advocate, sorry, and empower startups, entrepreneurs, uh, nonprofit organizations, and local communities to create value, connect, and grow. Uh, Linda has served on the board of the American Women's Association of Singapore, uh, is a member of the Women Corporate Directors, and volunteers with Junior Achievement uh, Singapore to inspire and prepare today's youth to succeed in the global economy. Uh, we have previously worked with Linda, where she was a presenter at the launch of our uh, R-E-N-H, or REACH, um, uh, offering um, and a first of its kind joint service offered by Amazon Web Services and Harangi, uh, which helps organizations build a robust cloud, <coughs> cloud security program uh, to spur innovation and uh, accelerate growth. Uh, welcome, Linda. What, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> you got it all, I think, maybe more, even more than enough. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, it's been a while. I mean, the last time we met was uh, at the American Club over a couple of years, which was, was quite fun. Um, <laughs> what, what have you been up to since we last met? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I mean, yesterday we had uh, our first in-person event in two years. So um, it was really exciting. We organized an event with the Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore, um, where we brought together security leaders, um, CISO, CIOs, CITOs, um, and investors in cybersecurity so that they can connect, learn from each other, and see how they can contribute to growing this ecosystem. Awesome. And what was some of the exciting outcomes that came from that? Any, any, any cool companies or cool sort of uh, uh, future offerings that we should be on that lookout for? Yeah. Well, I mean, this was more on like the other side. So there's not like, um, there weren't, you know, startups were not invited. So that's why, you know, we didn't invite you. Um, but it was more like, how can we discuss with the folks on the other side of the table to help startups like you, mm. right? How can we encourage um, security leaders as end users, um, to, uh, you know, work with startups, purchase their solutions, not just go with IBM. Um, and then on the other side of the investors, um, how can we encourage more investments in Singapore? Right. I mean, we see obviously Singapore has lots of investor money, but in cybersecurity, we're not seeing as much of that lead investor money as we would like. So we were just trying to have both sides better understand each other so that they can potentially work towards um, building up this ecosystem and investing in more startups here in Singapore. Yeah, that's awesome. And definitely, um, you know, highly encourage that. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's good that you're, you know, trying to build the community around that because that is a, a problem that needs to be solved, I think, for the ecosystem, especially in the cybersecurity space to flourish. So kudos to you on that. Um, yeah, and, and the, the one thing you said that, which, you know, I learned uh, at Palantir back in the early days was uh, no one ever gets fired for hiring IBM, uh, which I think is uh, age-old saying, very good for IBM, not so good for the, the you know, people trying to break in. But, um, you know, I think over time that's changed a bit, um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's still a difficult hurdle, hurdle for a lot of startups to get over uh, and something that will, you know, challenge them until they're 
in the magic quadrant, uh, so to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so for you, you were a, a lawyer in Silicon Valley, and I guess are still a lawyer. But what motivated what motivated you to make the switch from law to, to tech, and um, any similarities between the two? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, I'm still a lawyer. Uh, I'll always be a lawyer. You never take those years of education away from me <laughs> um, that I invested in this. But um, yeah. So, you know, I went from you know being a lawyer in Silicon Valley to coming to Singapore. Um, and joining a legal tech startup. And, you know, I, I just got introduced to this whole startup ecosystem in Singapore, which was, you know, so vibrant. And I was, it was really exciting, all of the things that were going on. And so from there, I just saw like, as you know, the digital economy was exploding even before the pandemic, right? Um, that cybersecurity was hot industry, um, and so when the opportunity came about for me to join and, and really focus on ecosystem building partnerships, um, I jumped at the chance, you know, and, and what, what's interesting and, and you had asked, what is this, what are the similarities? I would say that, that, uh, law and cyber are like each other in two ways. Um, one that, uh, it touches everybody's lives now and two, people don't think about it until it's too late. So... Um, I find very similar, um, you know, conversations in terms of uh, education or, uh, you know, how do you uh, plan ahead of time and not wait until you get actually hit with a lawsuit or hit with a cyber attack. Yeah. Um, but of course, that never happens. And so really, we're talking like, what do you do like post uh, post event and um, what can you move forward? So in a lot of ways, it's similar. Um, and another interesting thing is because it touches upon everybody now, um, that really like my network carried over. Um, everyone that I was talking to before, uh, mm -hmm. I still talk to now and, and have added to that, that because cybersecurity is the horizontal that cuts across all verticals, um, we're able to work with people from all different industries. And, and so for me, that, that's really a benefit of the job. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, uh, legal is analogous to cyber in many ways. Um, uh, and the, the main one being the one you mentioned, which is which is no one really uh, thinks about it too much until something bad happens to them, uh, kind of like insurance as well. Um, 100% <laughs> believe that. I mean, I think that's starting to change and people have enough bad experience or watch other people have bad experiences, which, uh, you know, kind of changes the sort of approach. Um, but still plenty of companies out there that, that are reactive, um, uh, which is unfortunate, but I mean, eventually they'll change. Um, and it's just a, a time thing in, in my view. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I guess like, what was it sort of hard to make that switch? Like what was the hardest thing, I guess, for you, uh, in making that switch? sounds like network was, was great. Um, problem set similar, but, um, yeah, hard. I mean, I think, um, the, the thing that really helped me out is that we have such a strong network at I-71. Our founders are NUS, right? The National University of Singapore, one of the leading universities in the region and the world. Um, Singtel Innovate, one of the leading VCs. And so uh, when I joined, uh, I didn't have to necessarily um, start fresh, right? Uh, we already have such strong connections through our founders and that credibility is already there. So um, what was exciting for me was that we could just hit the ground running and really just start to figure out like, hey, how can we make these connections? How can we um, make this ecosystem, uh, you know, part of a large, you know, believe that they're part of a larger thing 
so that they people can work together and, and really open the doors for all of these collaborations to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I said we want it's great. And they, you know, you specifically have done quite a lot of great things there. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, many more. Um, excited about what you mentioned previously. I think that that's a good problem to be focused on uh, solving also. So uh, it's great. Um, but yeah, for, for you, like, you know, obviously it was kind of like a mid-career switch and, and really uh, even changed tracks, tracks in many ways. Um, uh, and, th and that I think is, uh, you know, a struggle for, for, uh, anyone. Harangi has been part of like sort of the mid career, uh, transition for, for some employees who have come from different industries and want to get into cyber. Uh, but how was that experience for you and, and what advice would you give to other people that are considering like a career switch in the, the early or middle, middle of their career? Yeah. So I think like the switch when I was like already in legal tech to cyber was easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the more difficult switch was when I took a break um, when I had my kids and then to come back as a return to work mom. I think that was really difficult. Um, and so, you know, for me, you know, I did it uh, through uh, like holistically, I guess you can say. Like, so I did it the old fashioned way, went to events, met people, shook their hands when you could still do that pre-COVID. Um, you know, and just really actually let my curiosity kind of lead the way, like what kinds of, of things were interesting to me, I would go to those kinds of events so that I can meet the, the experts in the, the field. And, and, and people here are so nice, um, I think, um, in, in the startup ecosystem, you know, like, so they're willing to share, um, willing to help out, willing to connect. And so, um, I think in a way, in that way, um, it made it easier, but still, um, you know, how do you find those people? So I think LinkedIn was, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't work for Microsoft or anything, but that was obviously like another great uh, platform. If you're looking to make a change and connect with people, um, it's a way for you to easily kind of search for the areas that you're interested in. And then also when you go to an event, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I met that person, but I don't know how to reach out to them. I didn't get their email. Um, and so LinkedIn was a great way to kind of um, source for the right people. Um, but really it was, it, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think for cybersecurity, the benefit is that there's a shortage, yeah. you know? And so what happens is that, um, there are many roles that don't require like existing cybersecurity, uh, training, whatever that means, right. Um, that, uh, what I've seen a lot of companies do is that they actually look for, the capacity to learn, yeah. the desire to learn, um, and then they work from there and that they're willing to train. So I think for folks um, looking to break into cyber, there are a lot of opportunities that I, I've seen people looking um, at non-traditional non uh, backgrounds to open it up, as well as there are lots of roles in cybersecurity that's not just technical. There are a lot of non-technical roles, sales, marketing, PR, um, and so, uh, you know, those are also great ways to break into tech without a tech background. And then, of course, I have to always plug the Singapore government, right? Like they're so uh, uh, proactive um, at facilitating. Um, and so in this instance, they have programs like Workforce Singapore and whatnot. They have grants available that people can upskill, you know, skills future programs that they can upskill and then they can connect uh, with employers who the government will fund um, a good portion of the salary. So uh, a, a lot of good ways to, to, to break into cybersecurity. And um, yeah, I think now is the best time.
Yeah, definitely. And I agree. Like, you know, Singapore government does do a great job in that. Uh, we've utilized like pretty much everything that you mentioned um, uh, <laughs> as well. And, and, you know, got a lot of great talent out of those programs as well, whether uh, we did, I think, both the college graduate one, but also the mid-career uh, as well. And, you know, uh, have some some great uh, employees that, that came from that program and, and stuck with us after the program as well. Um, so it's so been awesome for us uh, also. Um, so we touched a little bit on uh, I-71, you kind of explained uh, what it is, but um, it's actually made up of three uh, major programs. So there's like Inspire, Scale, and Community. Um, maybe you can explain a bit more about each and, you know, what are the benefits for for potential uh, people that are interested? Yeah, yeah. So um, like I said, I-71 stands for Innovation Cybersecurity Ecosystem at Block 71. So we're part of that Block 71 family where it's like the startup hub. And, um, you know, so what I think we're looking at is uh, to be that hub, not only for the region, but globally, right? There are three other rec globally recognized hubs. You have U.S., U.K., Israel. Um, and so I think Singapore is well-placed to be that fourth hub globally and that uh, leader in the region for cybersecurity. So then I-71 um, was founded in 2018. And, and really, I think we're looking at three pillars that we focus on, we believe that will really help the ecosystem. So the first pillar is talent pipeline. So that's our I-71 Inspire program, where we um, help aspiring cybersecurity entrepreneurs, like you were way back then, <laughs> potentially, right? Um, and people who are looking into it, but don't know, um, you know, how to take the next steps in their journey. So we have boot camp programs, we have programs where you can connect with mentors, connect with folks who um, have gone down that road and, and they share their stories and, and you can share your ideas and our mentors will talk to you about maybe the product market fit um, and things like that to really get a sense of whether or not this is the journey you're ready to go down. Um, and so we, we work definitely a lot with the Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore on these talent pipeline initiatives. Um, the second pillar that we focus on is innovation and in startups. So that's our I-71 scale program, where we take applicants from startups all over the world. And once they get accepted into our program, they, you know, have lots of benefits. So number one, you, they immediately get a, a office space landing pad in Singapore so that they can tap into um, Singapore and the networks that we have here immediately. Um, so that is actually the the greater benefit. As, aside from the office space, it's, it's the networks, the connections. Um, that we're able to provide. And then we provide an onboarding program where, um, you know, we ha give access to our mentors. Um, we organize startup demo days, startup showcases. We give access to conferences and events and um, connections with corporates and investors um, that we're able to provide all of these benefits for startups who are looking to grow and scale into the region. Because obviously Singapore is very small, so no one really ever just looks at Singapore when they when they start here, right? They're, they're looking with eyes towards the region. So we're able to help make those connections there. And then the last pillar we're looking at is really I-71 community that kind of brings everything together, right? The Where we connect the entire spectrum from students to startups, um, investors, corporates, government agencies, universities. Um, we bring all of the segments together so that they can learn from each other. Um, but like, uh, I talked about that event um, earlier. We also are looking at segment-specific um, events to, and connections as well. So we'll do events only for CISOs and security leaders or only for investors um, so that they can really have 
uh, a, a strong community to share because we all know the hackers are sharing information now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's important that uh, we create a strong community to help facilitate and grow the ecosystem as well. So yeah, those are the three kind of areas that we focus on I-71. Awesome, awesome. And, and what's kind of like your, your most memorable success story from that? Happy to, to keep it anonymous if you... If you... <laughs> I mean, most uh, in success story in what sense? Um, could be company, could be like project, could be event. Um, yeah, the, the one thing that comes to top of mind when, when I when I say that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I mean, I think, uh, I mean, top of mind, I just think of like one of our companies had been trying to connect with a government agency on an initiative. Um, but couldn't figure out a way how. And then that agency happened to contact us and say, "Hey, we have this grant." that's been in existence for a few years and we haven't been able to hand it out to anybody, um, you know, cause we, we, no one has met the criteria. Do you have somebody? And I was like, oh my gosh, like it really felt like everything was coming together. <laughs> like how, you know, like amazingly, like this all came together. And so it's moments like that, that I think get me really excited um, to be in this role and to be in this ecosystem where we're like, oh my gosh, like, because we're out there, because, you know, you know, we know the people in the networks and, and we're on the ground with the startups, it, it was able to come together where we're able to help. And so uh, I, I really loved th that moment um, when I was able to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. And definitely, I'm sure that was a, a good feeling and when things just work, and especially because, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in what you just described as well. <laughs> uh, um, yes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure that's great and a good success story too as well for whichever government agency and, and the company, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so so there's lots of challenges in sort of being a cybersecurity entrepreneur. Um, uh, I know that uh, from personal experience. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you think is like some challenges that are specific to the region? And like, what, what else can companies do to like sort of like help with uh, growth like in this region, which I think you've touched on a bit before, but yeah, curious to hear more. Yeah, I think I, I mean, one of the big challenges that I touched on before is the investments, right, um, into cybersecurity companies here. I think, um, like I said, I think Singapore has no lack of investor money, but there is a real lack of lead investor money when it comes to cybersecurity startups. Um, we see investments in cybersecurity, but we see them going to co companies and countries like Israel and the U.S., Right. And so uh, we know that there's interest in cyber here, um, but how do we create, um, you know, that that sense of, you know, gosh, I, this is where it's at here. Like you're based here, like you should be investing in the companies here. Um, and there still is seems to be the, this idea that Singapore is still nascent yet, um, that the ecosystem is so growing. And I mean, in many sense, of, that's true. Uh, however, I, I think there are a lot of companies here um, that have solutions and have the capability uh, to grow and scale and especially know this region better, right? Uh, I think for for a lot of, in a lot of ways, you can't just plug, plug and play um, and, and expect it to work. I mean, we saw that, I mean, I think with Uber, right? I, I, I thought once Uber came into market, I was like, that's it, game over, right? They're going to take over. And that did not end up being the case. So, I mean, I, I so I see in, in that kind of example, I like, see this is the this is the benefit of being in this region and selling in this region is that you understand more um, that go to market. So, I, I think investor in, investment in cybersecurity is definitely difficult. Um, and you know, I think it's really hard 
to get the corporate end users to, like I said, not buy IBM? Like, how do you get them to trust in the cybersecurity solutions coming out from startups um, and feel like they have the confidence to do that um, and not just stick with, you know, tried and, you know, true uh, companies that their board recognizes and so that they're not going to, you know, get in trouble for, for that, right? So how do you kind of overcome that? Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, we're working with the cybersecurity agency of Singapore, um, to break down, you know, those kind of walls. And like right now we're working with, um, CSA on the in, in, industry, in, uh, innovation at call for innovation. And, um, so how do we, you know, facilitate, um, you know, the, the, the relationship between the corporate end users and the startups. And when CSA gets involved, then maybe they'll feel a bit more comfortable saying, look, like, you know, CSA is involved. So I, maybe this is a higher likelihood that they vetted them. They're not going to close up shop in 24 hours and I'm never going to be able to find them again. Yeah. Um, so it's things like that, that we're hoping will make a, an impact later on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think those are, those are good initiatives. I mean, uh, obviously like, um, going to take time. Um, but, um, you know, definitely in a, in a couple of years, hopefully we're seeing uh, successful products, companies, uh, being built out of, uh, out of that. So that, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm going to switch topics a bit. Um, talking about like women in, uh, cybersecurity. Um, I want to welcome you as the first female guest we've actually had on Ask Atizo. This is like, Oh, wow. Episode. Um, so, Oh, wow. Hey, <laughs> what an honor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, I mean, obviously like there, you know, there, there isn't uh, as many women as there probably should be in the cybersecurity workforce. Um, do you think that's going to change? Um, yeah. Well, I feel like it has to change there. There's not enough. And so there's not enough, you know, people in cyber in general. So, um, I think, uh, look, this isn't a problem unique to cyber, um, women in tech, it's an issue, um, all the way leading back to girls in STEM and steam from, you know, uh, school, primary school and, and after. Um, and so I, I think um, in that sense, it, it makes sense that there is an issue here uh, because um, it's been an issue even for the larger segment of the tech community. Now, I think that um, there are uh, exciting opportunities for uh, women in cyber because um, like I said, number one, they, they, they already need more folks. And so companies are going to have to get more creative in how they reach out to women, you know, whether it be, um, you know, reaching out earlier to women in their educational career or mid-career professionals, yeah. return to work moms, yeah. um, people who have, uh, you know, shown that they, they, they do have the, the qualifications in perhaps another field, but that actually you know, what they have, the qualifications that they have show um, in a willingness and an openness to learning. Um, for example, I talked to a company and, um, you know, they were trying to get more cyber folks uh, in their team. So they're trying to do it internally and uh, they try to go to their IT team mm -hmm. thinking, okay, that makes them, maybe it makes the most sense. We'll try to get our cyber folks from the IT team. And actually they found that the success rate was very low from the <laughs> IT folks because of the, the training and the mindset that's required is a bit different. But what was interesting um, is that when they looked to their legally trained folks, mm. um, there was a much more synergy there um, because, you know, they were saying that, oh, you know, it's because when you're for the legally trained folks, they're already trained to kind of investigate, research, um, critically think, uh, question. And so these were all things that were great for cyber. So 
you know, in that sense, I, I think that there are a lot of opportunities upcoming. We do have a lot more work to do. Um, but, you know, we're, we're trying to work on more initiatives um, as well to facilitate that pipeline. Um, CSA also has the SG Cyber Women that they're also working on and we're working on it with them. So um, hopefully as, you know, we move forward and, um, you know, we have to cast a wider net. And and in that sense, like there will be a lot more opportunities for for women to be able to join cybersecurity. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think, you know, Harangi is almost 40% women. So I think we're, we're doing in nice. that space. Could always be better, of course, but, um, you know, doing well. Um, or, uh, but yeah, like definitely I've, I've seen a lot more more recently um, sort of applying to, to roles and things like that, which is, which is great. And look forward to, to continuing to see that like into the future. Um, and, and what do you think are kind of some of the factors that's going to encourage like more women to kind of be in, involved in uh, cyber? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, a lot of it has to do with what's happening in early education. Yeah. Um, once I think, um, you know, STEAM, STEM, I think there's a more openness to introducing that to, to girls early on and, and not directing them over to the English, you know, and social sciences and, and things like that. I think that uh, will be helpful. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, a lot of the skill sets that are required in cyber, I think, um, you know, women are who are leading and who are active in their industries um, as they look to kind of re reskill. Right? Everyone has to now yeah. think about reskilling and learning all of the time. You can't just like be comfortable in what you know because what you know yesterday is going to be obsolete. Right? So what I think is interesting is as there's opportunities to reskill and learn, and cyber is still nascent yet. Right? So. You know, I think there's so many opportunities um, in that sense that will open the door for more women to come in. Yeah, I agree. And like, I mean, the good thing about cybersecurity and tech in general is like it's always changing. So if you're someone who gets bored easily, it's like the perfect industry because like, you, you know, if you, if you don't learn anything for three months, you're pretty much like out of a job. Right. So, yeah. it's, um, uh, you know, an exciting career to be in because of that aspect. But it does make it difficult uh, as well. So. Um, which, you know, uh, a challenge is, 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 is fun uh, for many people. So but looking forward to, to seeing that um, more, more women in cyber. Um, so let's talk a bit about a passion of yours, um, kind of um, teaching entrepreneurial skills to, to primary uh, and secondary school students here in Singapore. Um, wh what are some of the entrepreneurial skills that you're kind of teaching them? And, and why do you think that's important for, for success? Um, yeah, so um, I'm sorry, I'm having a bit technical difficulty with my video, I think. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I've been volunteering with Junior Achievement for the, you know a number of years. And, um, you know, because what we see is it's not only important what you're learning in the books, right? But how do you actually translate that into, um, you know, your work life? And so at Junior Achievement, they're teaching things like, I don't know, uh, if you're going to open a restaurant, like, what, what would you sell? What would you call it? How would you differentiate yourself from your competitors and things like that to help them kind of use what they've learned um, and think outside the box and apply it in that way. So um, I, I think it really engages the kids. You know, I find their eyes like light up when they're talking about this because they don't realize about the concepts that they're applying, right? They, they think it's fun. And um, it, so in that way, like, they're able to open their minds to diff different ways of thinking and, and um, different opportunities that are out there, you know, not just only being a lawyer and a doctor, um, which of course I became a lawyer, but, um, you know, uh, 
I'm sorry, what? But you switched. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, provide me a good foundation. So that's what we have to remind the kids, right? <laughs> All this learning provides a good foundation for the future. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and Junior Achievement is a U.S.-based nonprofit. I mean, they're even going, you know, beyond now, too. So I, I was helping to teach um, a class on AI and coding, right? So we're trying to get the kids early on to be exposed to these concepts so that it's not so foreign to them and intimidating. Um, and so it's really cool because they're talking about machine learning, right? And they have the kids sort into the fishbowl what's, what's a fish and what's not a fish, mm. you know? And so that they're learning uh, in, in basic terms, like what it is. So that later on they don't go, oh, whatever that is sounds complicated. I don't, I don't want to get involved. Actually, they're like, oh, machine learning AI. I already know what that means. Um, and then coding, it's really cool because you know they're able to uh, do lines of code um, and um, make you know like different Disney characters move around the screen. Oh. And so it becomes something that isn't intimidating. Like I said, I, I think what's good about it is. When they approach it later on, it won't be something that they feel like, oh, I don't understand and I'm not, I can't do it. That they have already been exposed to these concepts. And so they, you know, like they'll be able to feel like they can do whatever they want to do moving forward. And I think those are really positive things, especially in the world as we know it, it's constantly changing. So they definitely need to be adaptable. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, that's how I learned Java <laughs> back in the day too. It was like by moving, I think it was Corel was like the Java 101 class, but you had to like move them around the, the board and like send them in different directions, which was like the introduction to coding. So it sounds very similar, which is, which is cool uh, and funny. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Cause I, I learned that I think in like, uh, yeah, my senior year of high school. So this is a very different stage of uh, sort of learning. Um, yeah. But kind of before we uh, wrap up, like, what are your, some of your outlooks and predictions um, for 2022 and the future in terms of, um, you know, cybersecurity or entrepreneurial space? And yeah. Wow, that's a big question. Um, look, I, I think we're still in the middle of the pandemic, meaning we keep on thinking that, uh, you know, maybe we're going to be in the office and we're, work from home is not going to be a big thing anymore. But what we're seeing is obviously that's not the case. And even if we're out of the pandemic, um, work from home is still going to be something that will probably stay. And so I, I, I think, um, you know, for our companies out there, I think, you know, cloud security is going to be a big thing. Um, I think also we have to look at uh, the companies themselves and the people who are in charge of protecting the companies and how do we make it easier for them to do that? Um, because, you know, what I've seen is, gosh, now we have a million cybersecurity sol solutions for our, all of our CISOs and they're getting a million alerts every day. How do you know what's real, what's important, what I should prioritize? And so I think that um, companies who can try to solve this uh, for the CISOs, um, I, th I think we'll be able to do well um, uh, because right now it, it's almost like, um, you know, in the times of search engines, you know, uh, at first it was like, oh, great, a search engine. But now you just come back with so many results. So so who's going to have that solution that's going to give me the result that's most pertinent to me? Um, so I think that will be definitely something that's important. Um, and I mean, I, I think the third thing I would say is, you know, wh what are people looking at? Um, will people, a, a, an interesting, you know, dilemma will be, 
will people look um, to more of the, the sexier things like NFTs and like all this other stuff? Um, is that something that we're going to be looking at or, or really is it back to basics? Is it, you know what, how can, that's nice. How do you solve my real problems that still no one has solved yet? Um, and even though it's boring, but it's actually going to make an impact. Um, so that, that will be something that's, you know, interesting as we keep on getting more technologically advanced and these, you know, hot, sexy topics keep on coming out. Um, you know, where do solutions want to lie? Um, and where do people want to make their investments? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you mentioned some of the sort of reducing alerts. It's actually something we just launched, uh, funny enough. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we just launched a UABA uh, solution inside of our product that basically helps companies kind of um, use historical sort of um, uh, figures to reduce the alert fatigue because it is a big problem in the space um, uh, in general. Like you have so many alerts that, you know, then becomes kind of a situation where you're not paying attention to them because there, there's just too many. Um, exactly. I uh, agree with you on that one. Um, All right. Well, good job. I, I think you'll do well then, <laughs> according to my predictions. <laughs> Very important one stuff. Very important. <laughs> so yeah, like like kind of wrapping things up. Um, any advice you'd like to leave with uh, listeners about you know career or starting a company in Singapore or anything really? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, r really general advice is that I think people nowadays it, you just have to be open to what happens next. But in that sense, it's not to say that you shouldn't prepare. Um, and in that preparation, it's good to see what's existing. Um, so to not reinvent the wheel, whether it be government grants that help you to start a company. Singapore has lots of government grants. Um, if you're a first time founder, and also if you're just a founder in general, um, and if you have you know, other companies that are doing you know, kind of relevant things, so what you're doing, maybe you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Maybe you can partner with them and, and provide a suite of solutions that's more attractive to the customer. So, um, yeah, I think th those would be really good things to, to, to look at. Awesome. Yeah, and great advice. And, and definitely you can speak to the fact that starting a company in Singapore is, is useful. And there are plenty of grants, uh, I think, for, for getting you off your feet uh, as well. So um, thanks again for, for uh, coming on the podcast and look forward to hopefully seeing you again on the podcast soon. Yeah, great. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks, Linda.